God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome to today's episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcos Ortega, and as always, I am joined by the astounding Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to have my thesaurus open and ready, and every (laughs) week there will be a new... A new adjective for the amazing person that Lisa Spencer is. Um, we are, So we are recording these episodes a few weeks in advance. And so this is actually the week that for the first time our podcast is live. So we've launched the podcast and all of you have been listening for the last few weeks, which is really exciting and um, really grateful for all of you listening. And wanted to let you know you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, um, we both post on Facebook as well, so um, please follow us and interact with us. Write yes, us please. emails or messages, or um, you know, it, we're not giving you our phone number. You can't call us at all times. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we'd love to hear from you, especially um, if you go to iTunes and you could um, give us a good rating and a good review. If you want to give us a bad rating, then I prefer you just don't rate at all. Um, <laughs> but give us a good rating and review on iTunes. Um, we have been over these first few weeks laying a foundation and trying to explain some of the introductory topics and the the important foundational topics that inform all of the more contentious topics that are out there in the culture. Um, so we've talked about the gospel, we've talked about common grace last week. Lisa, what are we talking about this week? Well, you know, today, because I think that, and one thing that I've really appreciated about everything that we're doing with this podcast, with laying the foundation, um, you know, discussing these issues, and, and we've mentioned so many times, is that scripture is our final authority, right? We want to make sure that we are, and I've, I've heard you, you know, use this, this phrase a few times, we want to sift everything, through the lens of scripture. And so there's a, and how we commonly refer to that is being biblical. Well, you know, a couple of issues I think really arise with that is, well, what does it mean? So when you say, what does it mean to be biblical? Um, That, you know, well, it's in the Bible. Okay, well, how do we translate what's in the Bible to how we live? And particularly when it comes to things that are not specifically mentioned in the Bible, um, right. how do we look at that? And so, one of so I think today it's really important if we're looking at the foundation of you know how we evaluate these various issues that are going on, and slap the label biblical on it, 
that we want to kind of have a good view of what that means, a faithful view. You know, I don't want to say a good, you know, good, bad, you know, right versus wrong. But in, in line of how we consider the gospel, that we want to have a view that's not too broad, that encompasses everything that adds on to scripture, but we also don't want to reduce scripture. Um, and so one of the ways in which, um, you know, it's been defined, we, you know, in the Reformed tradition, we talk about sola scriptura, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, that scripture is our final authority. But we also want to contrast that with uh, what kind of developed out of sola scriptura, which is called solo scriptura. So it's this idea. So it's Bible, the Bible as our final authority for faith and practice versus only the Bible, um, that we rely only on the Bible and what the Bible says. And this is in, in one of the clues for me is when you hear, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, issues that aren't specifically related, you know, that aren't specified directly in the Bible. Well, where in the Bible does it say? Um, and, you know, and so one of the things I was reading through, um, I was reading through John Frame, uh, his book, um, The Doctrine of the Word of God, and his chapter on the sufficiency of Scripture is just is just really gold. And what he talks about is that the sufficient we think about the sufficiency of scripture, um, that it's not in the present con he says in the present context it's not sufficiency of specific information information, but sufficiency of divine words. He then goes on to say the sufficient content of scripture includes not only its explicit teaching but also what may be logically deduced from it. So I thought it would be helpful for us to talk about, you know, why, you know, one, why we have this doctrine of sola scriptura. How do we distinguish that from solo scriptura and how it, how it's kind of developed? Um, because we do want to rely on the Bible and we do want to sift everything through the lens of scripture, but we also have a whole world to interact with. And how do we faithfully interact with that world through the lens of scripture? And what are the pitfalls to avoid? So Marcos, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about how this doctrine developed. Um, and then we can, you know, talk a little bit about what, you know, how, why we see these differences. Yeah, so so sola scriptura is one of what many people understand the, the five solas, right? So there's, um, if you were to take that Latin phrase sola scriptura, it would mean scripture alone, right? And it's accompanied by grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. These are the solas that were really the heartbeat of the Protestant Reformation. And the doctrine of sola scriptura comes out of that historical context. It's a Reformation doctrine, and it's a, it's a central Reformation doctrine. In fact, um, R.C. Sproul, when he's talking about this doctrine in his, his little book, What is Reformed Theology? And if, if people are curious about Reformed Theology, or if they want just another little primer on the, on the distinctives of Reformed Theology, 
this is a great little book to get. It's very reasonable to read. Um, it's not very long, and, and so I encourage people to look at um, What is Reformed Theology by R.C. Sproul. He, he quotes um, Martin Luther at an, an important trial not long after the 95 Theses are put up. And he says, uh, this is Martin Luther, Unless I am convinced by sacred scripture or by evident reason, I will not recant. My conscience is held captive by the word of God, and to act against conscience is neither right nor safe. And what he's doing there is uh, Martin Luther is saying that his stance on justification by faith alone and his argument against the selling of indulgences, his the ground of his argument is Scripture. It's not the councils of the church. It's not the edicts of the Pope. It is Scripture alone. And this becomes a flashpoint in the Reformation. It develops into a major problem for uh, the Roman Catholic Church because what the reformers end up doing is they're challenging the word of the Pope by comparing it to the scriptures. But in the Roman Catholic Church, especially in the 16th and 17th centuries, what the Pope said was the word of God. And so what the reformers are saying is, no, we have to even hold the Pope accountable to the scriptures, that no man is above the scriptures, no man can speak the word of God unless it is the scriptures that he is speaking. And so what the doctrine of sola scripture gets gets us to is that the Bible and the Bible alone is God's self-revelation to us. It's his written down special revelation. Um, now, sola scripture doesn't do a couple of things, and this is also important. It doesn't deny that God speaks to us outside of scripture. God does speak to us outside of Scripture. This is why the Reformers have an entire doctrine called general revelation, that God speaks to his people. He reveals himself through nature, through conscience. Um, he does so in a way that can be understood. But the way we understand what God says in nature, the way we understand what God is saying in our conscience, is through the lens of Scripture. Um, scripture is the infallible rule for life and faith, according to the Westminster Standards. It's the way that we are able to understand what God is saying to us, how he wants us to live our lives. It's, it's the way we understand how salvation is offered to us in Jesus Christ. Sola Scriptura, it, it, the goal of this doctrine is not to get us to stick our head in the Bible and ignore everything else that is around us, um, so Kevin DeYoung, for example, will say that Scripture alone, or Sola, sola Scripture, does not mean by itself, apart from any communal or confessional considerations, but the Scripture alone is the final authority. Um, he says it this way as well, Scripture does not give exhaustive information on every subject, but in every subject on which it speaks, it says only what is true. Um, so Sola Scriptura is saying, listen, you have the very word of God here, and everything that God says is true because it is God who is speaking. And so you can trust the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible is sufficient for all matters of faith and life. The Bible may not be able to tell you how to make an omelet, but the Bible does tell you that you maybe don't want to put a bunch of quaaludes in your omelet. Right? So right. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you, it, it may not speak directly to the mechanics of cooking, but it does tell you how do you live? How, how should you treat your body? 
What should you eat? What maybe shouldn't you eat? These are things that the Bible does speak to. It gets into every aspect of our lives, that the Bible is sufficient to train us up in all manner of righteousness and godliness. So um, that it's a, it's a response to Catholicism, but it also is laying the foundation for how the Reformers are able to transform the church and say, listen, we're going back to the Bible. Um, this is going to be the, the foundation for who we are. And so all the confessions and all the catechisms that come out of the Protestant Reformation, all of them say Scripture is the final word. Mm-hmm. Scripture is the final authority. Um, this is confusing for some people because they'll go to a Presbyterian church and they'll hear somebody quote the Westminster Standards, Westminster Catechism or, or Confession, and, and then the pastor may just move on and be like, because the Westminster Standards says, and then they've made their point. And so somebody right. who's not used to that tradition be like, well, I don't care what the Westminster Standards say. I want to know what the Bible says. Right. Um, but that's misunderstanding how we're using the confessions. We use the confessions and catechisms as a... It, it, it's a nice summary if you will, mm-hmm. of all that the Bible has to say. And wherever the standards get something wrong, whatever confession or catechism you hold to, if that gets something wrong, if you're able to say, no, but the Bible says this, mm-hmm. you throw out that piece of the confession. Right. Because we go back to the Bible. Right. Um, and, so and that's, that's kind of where Sola Scripture comes from. And here's where I want to make a, a couple notes. One is, in, in, you know, in that particular context, uh, one of the beautiful things that I've learned about um, you know, when, um, so, uh, um, a man comes under care, right? When, you know, me being in the PCA, I, I imagine it works the same way in other Presbyterian dom- denominations. And they, you know, there, there, there are, there, the core of the Westminster standards have to be informed. The Westminster standards are not men coming together and making up their own stuff. This is, biblically informed under the this notion that the bible is our final authority but what can happen to a certain extent not too much is that when you know for um for licensure um you know they want to know like do you affirm the westminster standards and there is an opportunity to you know to say i i agree with you know this but there's this one little piece i have an issue with and here's why because according to my convictions of scripture and they're they are allowed to you know to make certain exceptions not you know their parameters but certain exceptions based on what based on what scripture says right so this idea that yeah we we have the we have the westminster standards but even that has to be subjective to our conviction of scripture and, and this is where some people can maybe go off the rails a little bit with their doctrine of sola scriptura, and sola scriptura can evolve into solo scriptura. And it mm-hmm. sounds like such a semantic difference, right? Mm-hmm. It's literally a change of a vowel. But in that change of a vowel, there's a whole host of different issues that show up. Mm-hmm. Sola scriptura means that we believe in scripture alone as the final authority. Mm-hmm. Solo scriptura says that scripture alone is the only way you are able to address anything in life. Yes. So um, the, I use the absurd, the, the absurd example of making an omelet, right? Um, sola Scriptura, when you stretch it to that point, you need, you need an ingredient list in the Bible mm-hmm. to tell you how to make that omelet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, nobody lives that way. 
Nobody lives that way. I've never met a person. Never met a person who is going through the book of the Bible and saying, listen, Deuteronomy says I need to make my omelet this way. Right. I, I've never, we don't operate that some, way, but some sometimes. Some with it. Uh, uh, the Daniel diet? Okay, I won't touch that. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Another, another, another uh, episode for another day. Uh, well, you just made half the listeners mad, but that's okay. Um, no, I think that, um, but I do think that there is a tendency in some folks to say, listen, if it's not in the Bible, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. That's not the doctrine of sola scriptura. That's right. not what Sola Scripture is getting at. What Sola Scripture is saying is that if you want to know who God is, you go to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the Bible will help you, along with general revelation, understand who God is. Mm-hmm. You want to know who you are? Go to the Bible. And the Bible will lay it out clear. Mm-hmm. You want to know how you can be saved from your sin? Go to the Bible. You want to know what your sin is? Go to the Bible. You want to understand the purpose of the church. You want to understand the way that... Um, men and women are supposed to relate to one another within the body of Christ. You want to know what sanctification looks like. You want to know what we're moving towards in the final day. Go to the Bible. You want to know whether you should play hymns or do contemporary worship music? You don't go to the Bible. That's And, and we're on good ground here, and, and some folks are going to chafe a little bit about that, but here's something else that's in the Westminster Standards that I do think is helpful for folks. Um, in this wonderful chapter, the very first chapter, talking about all the reasons we need the Bible and why the Bible is super important. In paragraph 6, it says this, The whole purpose of God about everything pertaining to his own glory and to man's salvation, faith, and life is either explicitly stated in the Bible or may be deduced as inevitably logically flowing from it. That's what Frame was getting at in the quote you yes. read us, right? Yes. Nothing is at any time to be added to the Bible either from new revelations of the Spirit or from traditions of men. Nevertheless, we do recognize, one, that the inward illumination of the Spirit of God is necessary for a saving understanding of the things which are revealed in the Word. Here's what they're getting at. You can't just read the Bible and suddenly you're saved because you read Romans. But the Holy Spirit must illumine you. The Holy Spirit must save you. The Holy Spirit must be at work in you for you to be saved. So... Mm -hmm. While we need scriptures for salvation, we also need the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Two, we also recognize that some provisions for the worship of God, the government of the church, are similar to secular activities and organizations. These are to be directed according to our natural understanding and our Christian discretion and should conform to the general rules of the word, which are always to be observed. Right. We know we are to sing God's praises. What instruments should we use? What songs should we sing? Should we only sing the Psalms, or can we sing the latest thing that that Keith and Christian Getty wrote? Mm -hmm. Um, This is where Christian freedom comes into play. And and to point to the Bible and say, well, the Bible is very, very clear on what style of music, or the Bible is very, very clear about when offerings should take place in the worship service, or Mm -hmm. what the... Um, what sermon series the pastor should be preaching. He must always preach right through the Bible. He should never preach a topical sermon series. All those kinds of things, that's Christian freedom stuff. And right. and we run into a ditch when we try and put all of our, actually with our opinions and our our preferences under the doctrine of Sola Scriptura. Right. And, you know, and I see this as a way of, you know, this in line with what we talked about in Common Grace, 
um, even how we define the gospel, right? There's a very narrow, truncated way that we can look at, you know, what does it mean for us to be Christians in this world? And when you look at particularly the fundamentalist movement that evolved um, out of this need to push against the liberalism that was taking over the church, it wasn't it, it wasn't just we are whole upholding scripture, you know, as a final authority, sola scriptura, but we need to completely divorce from the world. And we need to be separate. And, and of course, you know, the scripture does tell us, you know, come out and, and be and be separate. Um but at the same time, when we take a, a separatist mentality of, you know, of how, how we're supposed to be in this world, I think that there that really influences um, and they probably play on each other in terms of how we look at the Bible, um, you know, and taken to extremes. What that means to me is that, oh, well, you know, so you get the, you know, the, the all of the you know, the additionals that come, you know, no smoking, you know, no drinking, um, because we're looking only, you know, only at the Bible and sometimes maybe filtering our cultural preferences into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think, think that happens that, a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly that's, I think what was happening with the fundamentalist movement as, you know, as, as Christians sought to separate from this liberal influence, but then went completely, you know, into a hole, if you will, um, and looked at, okay, well, if it's not in the Bible, then we can, we can't do it. We can't practice it. Um, so, you know, I think that this has some implications for us today and how we look at even the issues of our day. And one other thing I wanted to, to say about, um, we were looking at solo, solo scripture, solo scripture versus solo. And here's an example that I thought of, um, which unfortunately some Christians, you know, do believe, right? So if you look at, you know, James, I just dropped my Bible. Um, if you look at James uh, chapter five, so we, we get sick, right? We right. get sick. And what do we do when we get sick? Well, James in James chapter five, uh, James instruct us to go to the elders of the church right. and have them lay hands on you. Mm-hmm. So does so the person who is looking through the grid of solo scripture will say that's the only thing that we need to do. That's all you do, right? And we, you know, we don't need to go to the doctor. Because the scripture doesn't specifically tell us to go to the doctor. It does tell us to go to go to the elders of the church. So does that mean the Christian, is it a sin to go to the doctor? Well, of course not. Because we have, we can deduce from scripture that we have to walk in wisdom. And right. we have right. to um, do all things to the glory of God. Um, and that he has given us life and health and, you know, and to be able to take care of that and maintain it, you go to the people who are able to help in that regard. That is a gift from God. But I think that's a, it's more of an extreme example 
of how, you know, of, of sola versus solo, when we look at, you know, this idea that, well, okay, the Bible is our final authority. It gives us all of the divine words that we need, but it doesn't give us everything we need for life. Right. And it, it is an extreme example, but I think there are correlations yes. into other aspects, right? So there's the medical science correlation. Mm-hmm. And we touched upon this last time a little bit as well. What about sociology? Mm-hmm. What about psychology? Mm-hmm. Um, what about political science? Mm-hmm. How, how do we think through government and the way government should be designed? Mm-hmm. Um, do we go back to a theocracy because the Old Testament is describing a theocracy? Because the new heavens and new earth will be a theocracy? Or is there a different way that we should design government based on best learned principles that we can glean from Scripture and we can apply Scripture to? But there there are those who would say you cannot use any theory outside of Scripture to tackle any, any social issue. And I think this shows up in a couple different ways. I think there's a liberal version of this, and I think there's a conservative version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let, me, let me pick on the liberal version of this for a second. Okay. When it comes to our understanding, for example, of human sexuality, do we just ignore what the Bible has to say, or do we take what the Bible has to say and apply it to our lives? And there are many who would say, listen, the Bible... Yeah, I'll even concede that maybe it's the word of God, but it's more the word of men. They were writing in their context. They were talking about issues in the first century that don't really apply to issues in the 21st century. And so when it comes to the sexual ethic of the Bible, we can ignore all of that because there are all these other theories of human sexuality and human gender, and we should listen to those theories before we come to the scriptures because the scriptures just don't speak to human sexuality as effectively as these new 21st century and 20th century models do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's missing what the Bible is. Mm-hmm. It is God's word to us. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and he is helping us. He's working in our spirit to be able to understand what the Bible has to say about all areas of life. And human sexuality is not on its own little island over here, untouched by the Bible. Mm-hmm. But rather, the Bible speaks a whole lot to human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And yes, you have to have some wisdom and some discernment, and you can't just go in and say, listen, David was a polygamist, therefore, we can implement polygamy in today's right. church. Well, no, that that's also not how you understand. That's the other ditch where you're just, hey, I found my proof text verse. Therefore, mm-hmm. because this verse says this one thing, I can yank it out of context and out of redemptive history and do my own thing with it. But we can't also ignore what the Bible has to say about something like human sexuality. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and I think this kind of t- touches into a little bit of how do we, how do we interpret scripture right because you know when you look at what is the relationship of scripture to let's say government policy right you know you can have christians on both sides of the fence quoting scripture to affirm a position for example for example what do we do with issues related to poverty the government's role Mm -hmm. in you know issues related to poverty well folks on the more progressive end will go to, you know, go to the Old Testament 
and look at the care for the, you know, the widow and the orphan. And that's where I'll have to ask, okay, well, what does that mean in relationship to one who Old Testament Israel was, um, you know, and two, the relationship of what we can logically expect from government. Um, because here's what you can't do. If we're going to be consistent, right? So if you get to go to scripture to, uh, you know, to affirm what government should do, well, what's to say that the conservative, the Republican can't do the same thing, right. you know, and that's where I think that we really need to be careful in evaluating what, you know, what is, what we call it biblical, right? Because I've heard so many times, you know, folks will quote the Old Testament. Well, this is just being biblical. Okay, so where is it biblical that we can expect government to implement policies that are in accordance with Scripture? Would that be nice if they did? Probably. But but you hear what I'm saying that we, you know, it's like I, if, if I do it and I'm quoting scripture, it's fine, but not if they do it. Well, no, we need to be consistent with that. Well, and I, I think <laughs> that's the piece there is the consistency, right? Because I would mm-hmm. very happily go to the scriptures to to advocate for um, certain policies regarding the poor. Mm-hmm. But I where where the inconsistency lies is, am I not willing to do that about the issue of abortion? Mm-hmm. Am I not willing to do that about the issue of human sexuality? Mm-hmm. Am I not willing to do that when it's inconvenient for my political persuasion? Right. The, this is why I'm convinced that Christians should make really bad Republicans and really bad Democrats. Um, we're not going to be able to fit those, uh, those platforms because mm-hmm. our platform is the platform of the kingdom. Our mm-hmm. platform is derived out of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And we have to be con- consistently willing to say... The Republicans are wrong on this because of the Bible. The Democrats are wrong on this because of the Bible. Right. If we're not willing to do that, then actually um, it's not sola scriptura. It's whatever scripture fits my political persuasion. And we then bury ourselves in our own party or our own um, political philosophy. And we say, well, I'm just doing what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm being biblical. I'm being biblical. That's right. I have the biblical. And then what we what do we do? And we say, I'm being biblical, and we're talking in a partisan way. We're immediately yes. implying, if I'm being biblical and you disagree with me, you must not be being biblical. Right. When actually, we're simply disagreeing on how we should apply the Bible. Exactly. So th- th- it's just very different. It's it's it, it, it invites conversation. We say, I think the Bible is calling us to this. What do you think the Bible is saying? Why do we disagree? Let's have that conversation. Rather than saying, I'm the one who's biblical, you're the one who's not biblical, therefore you're wrong, I'm right. Well, that that doesn't do any good for anybody. That right. doesn't do any good for anybody. Um, and I do think that there are, you know, I picked on the liberals a minute ago. Let me pick on the conservatives for a minute. Okay, go for it. I do think that one of the things that gets in our way um, of having good conversation is when we do lean toward a solo scripture, not a sola, but a solo scripture of view when it's convenient. And mm-hmm. I see this happen in um, some of the conversations around social justice. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, it is coming from, a, in, in my, my perspective, and so you can correct me on this, but the way I see it is that those who are in the anti-social justice movement, mm-hmm. right, they want to talk about how there's a social justice movement, well, there's just as much an anti-social justice movement. Um, in that camp, they immediately say, 
If you use any theory of human development and human flourishing that is outside of the scriptures or that comes from outside the scripture, if you touch on any theory whatsoever, then you have rejected the Bible, you have rejected Christianity, and you have embraced either socialism or a psychologized view of man, Marxism, and and you're nothing but a social justice warrior, and you don't care about the Bible, and you've rejected the faith. And I have heard Christians say that if you are advocating for social justice, you are advocating against Christianity. Mm -hmm. And well, you know, there, and go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get myself in trouble if I. Can <laughs> you know, I mean, in this, because you know, we, we kind of need to wrap it up here. Um, but this goes to. Um, I, I hear. I do hear what you're saying. Um, you know, when you look at so, there's a lot of talk about you know uh, cultural Marxism. Uh, critical race theory, intersectionality, and again, we I think we need to devote a whole episode uh, to this. But there's sort of two camps that I see form. One is what you what you've just said, and that it is a reliance on solo scriptura. That it it's you know this is not um, it's not in scripture, therefore it must be rejected. Yeah, but if you don't have a chapter and verse, then you're wrong. If you don't have wrong. a chapter and verse, you're wrong. But there's another uh, another camp of in the in the criticism, and I think I would fit more into that camp that says, okay, we are looking at this through the lens of scripture, and coming to a conclusion that it's not consistent with scripture. And so I think that we need to be careful about, I, I do, I do think that those who are in the, you know, the anti-social justice movement, and I think it's fair to call it a movement. Um, I, I read an article um, some weeks back, um, and it, they, the title of it was The Rise of the Social Justice Contras. And I thought that is an excellent way of putting it, <laughs> the social justice contras. Um, that, you know, anyways, it, you know, it, it, so the contras are, you know, just have this kind of wholesale rejection, um, you know, of it. And, and this is where we, I think we need to be careful again. And one thing that I always advocate for, find out where people are coming from. Are you rejecting what, you know, reliance on these sociological methods as tools because you are saying it, if it's not if we don't have book chapter verse and we're going to reject it or are you you know are you denying that this is actually consistent with scripture um so anyways again that is another episode <laughs> for but i think another, but i think it's an important day. i think it is important though that we um, that that we can have a legitimate conversation and disagreement if we are both committed to sola scriptura, mm-hmm. and if it is listen, we we come back to all matters matters of faith and life because of the scriptures, and now we're mm-hmm. going to apply these scriptures. Mm-hmm. We can have a conversation about how far can to to what extent can we use the tools mm-hmm. of. Um, critical race theory or psychology or archaeology or whatever mm-hmm. happens to be the the debate of the day. Mm-hmm. But what I don't think we can do as Christians is throw out 
all other areas of science and say, if I don't have chapter verse, mm -hmm. then um, I'm not listening. Right, exactly. and, and I think we there that is that tendency, and I see that tendency. Um, some want to say, listen, if you're just going to quote verses at me, I'm not listening. Well, no, listen to the verses. This is the Bible. This is what the Bible has to say about something, and if you don't like the social position of the Bible, you're the one who needs to change your social position, not the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, but the other ditch is to just throw all this stuff away and say, ah, it's worthless, that's the world, that's worldly philosophy, mm -hmm. we just need to, whatever the Bible says goes. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's not what the Bible expects of itself. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't be expecting that of the Bible. Right, and, and to that I would also, amen, and to that I'd also say, well, for especially to parents, Christian parents who instruct their kids, you know, who homeschool. Well, where do you, you know, how, how do you homeschool your children? You know, do you reject, you know, every educational principle that doesn't come from a, you know, come from the Bible or come from a Christian source? Or are you willing to look at methodology on how you teach, you know, how you instruct your children, even if it comes from a, from a non-believer? And then that gets back into what we, you know, talked about under common grace. Right, and and it's this gets into so many different aspects of our life together as Christians. You know, I, I remember um, I was at a church once, not my current church, was at a church once, um, where a, a very well-meaning brother, an elder in the church, said, "Listen, I don't read other books. I read the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, I've read through our um, at this particular in this particular denomination. There were a handful of confessions and catechisms that we held to. So, listen, I." I read through our book of confessions. I've read through the book of order. Um, but I just read the Bible. I don't read anything else. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness. How are you reading the Bible well? Um, because, you know, I'll go back to what Kevin DeYoung says here about it not being scripture only, but it being scripture alone. Mm. He says, listen, it's not apart from any communal or confessional considerations. We need one another. If we just sit in the corner in a dark room with our Bibles, we can end up in some really bizarre places theologically and doctrinally. We can end up thinking God is wholly other than he really is if we are reading apart from the, the, the communion of the saints. Both Amen. our brothers and sisters who are living today who can say, hey, man, that you're a little bit off on that. I know where you're trying to get that from, but um, I don't know that that's what that's actually saying. And our brothers and sisters from history who are still speaking today through things like confessions and catechisms. Yes. Um, so there are a whole lot of different ways that we can misfire on this doctrine. Um, mm -hmm. And getting this doctrine right is important for discussing some of these contentious issues. Um, and getting this, understanding that there's different ways of approaching even the doctrine of sola scriptura will help us when we say, we disagree on this. Why are you applying these principles in this way. Well, that's a much healthier conversation than yes. you're abusing the Bible. Whoa! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't, again, that doesn't foster discussion and conversation within the family of faith. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, that on that note, I think that's a great place to stop. Uh, give our listeners some things to think about, you know, especially when we're, you know, very quick to you out, you know, well, I'm just being biblical. And think about what, what exactly that, uh, that means, because we are called to be salt and light. 
in this world. And by the way, that's more than telling people that Jesus loves them and died for their sins. But how we live in this world, how do we interact with this world? Um, and we want to do so um, as, as people of faith, but also people of wisdom. So. Absolutely. And, and so we encourage you, um, do more reading on this. We, we always like to point people back to other folks because there's a lot of smarter people out there than us who can help you yes. with this. Um, we've used some some of these resources today. So, Lisa, you were using John Frame's Systematic Theology. Um, no, I've his, referenced, uh, oh, his, not his, uh, not a systematic. It's uh, his Doctrine of the Word of God. Doctrine of the Word of God. Yeah, yeah. it's one of his classics. Um, also, uh, What is Reformed Theology by R.C. Sproul? And then this little book by Kevin DeYoung, I've referenced it a couple times. I think it's brilliant, Taking God at His Word. Um, if you haven't read this, it's short and really, really helpful uh, when it comes to your reliance on the scriptures. So Taking God at His Word by Kevin DeYoung. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Family Discussion, and we will see you soon. Bye. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.